Hello, I'm Max, the host of the Listen In Football podcast. Thank you very much for checking out today's show. I'm joined by Luke and Beef, and you can find us all on Twitter at Time to Listen In, at MaxPar93, at FMBeef33, and at Skywalker. We're all on there, so let us know your thoughts and opinions. The Premier League is over, but we're still anticipating the Champions League and Europa League finals. In the meantime, we've had a lot of news come up in the world of sports, so on today's episode, we're just going to recap all of that. So up first, Graham Potter is now the Brighton manager. Uh, we called it last week on the podcast, or I, I mentioned yeah, it, last you it last week. Yeah, yeah. so that that was that's a, an interesting one. Uh, we actually have uh, Beast friend and Luke's friend Elliot on the line as well. Swansea City fan, season ticket holder, season ticket holder. Uh, Elliot, how do you feel about this? Actually, the first question I want to ask you is: when you found out that he was your manager last year, what was your initial reaction to that? I think uh, I, was, I was excited, the same as more Swansea fans, because. Um, it was the first sort of real Swansea City appointment we'd made since Michael Loudrup. So uh, it was exciting for you? managers, all these firefighters keep us in the Premier League. It sort of felt like uh, we hit the restart button and we were going back to our roots. So, so it was quite an exciting time for you? Yeah, it was. Um, I actually went to a fans forum, Graham Park held in the stadium just after he was appointed and uh, everyone was really excited and looking forward to him getting started. And it was over just like that because he had a, a, a three-year contract and now he's moved on to, to Brighton, Premier League side, just avoided relegation. Um, yeah. Surprised that he left so soon? Yeah, it was. Um, I said all week last week that I was pretty confident he'd stay because he always spoke about uh, the long-term project he had here and how he was really happy. And he always had a good connection with fans. So when I seen that Brighton were linked to him, I sort of dismissed it. Uh, I was shocked uh, when the news broke on Saturday then that it was actually happening. I was shocked. Oh, Elliot, it's Beef here. Um, what, what do you think about his recent campaign? 10 place finish? Good enough? Um, all things considered, um, a tremendous season, really. Um, to give a bit of background, we lost 15 or 16 players in the summer, replaced those with five players. Three of those players didn't get anywhere near the first team. Only two did. One was consistent and one was extremely inconsistent. But was it S- so Selena? It was, was it Selena and um uh, Selena and Barry Mackay. Barry Mackay, that's it. So, yeah. so you are rating his signings there? Uh Selena was a good signing. Uh, Barry Mackay on his day could be an excellent player, but his days were very few and far between. So he found himself in and out of the squad a lot. Elliot, it's Luke here. I just want to talk to you. Like you said earlier about you felt this appointment was going back to Swansea's roots. And you, you think about the, the Roberto Martinez's, the Brendan Rodgers and the Michael Laudrup's where yeah. you played like quite expansive passing football. Um, do you think yeah. that style that you've now had with Graham Potter this season, despite the fact that it's been a mid-table finish, do you think that that's a style you'll miss? And do so you think it's something that you should look in your next appointment? Yeah, definitely. I think. Um, there's got to be continuity with the next appointment there's got to be somebody who's looking to play the same way because that, that's the way that brought so much success over the years um, Graham Potter in fact watched a lot of Roberto Martinez's training sessions with Swansea when he was studying and it was actually Graham Jones' assistant uh, sorry Roberto Martinez's assistant Graham Jones who recommended Potter for the job at Oscarson in the first place do you reckon he'll be replaced, Elliot? Could he be easily replaced? Um, to be honest with you, I 
don't think we'll find somebody as good as him. The not finding anyone potentially as good as him is something I didn't expect because he came from a, a pretty unknown, a, a, an unknown side, proven in their in their league, and he's had a, a massive success story with with Ostersons. But at the same yeah. time, I, I didn't realise that Swansea City fans thought so highly of him. Oh yeah, he was described many times as the glue that held the club together this season. We've had so much turmoil off the pitch. Um, I think if it hadn't been for Graham Potter, we could have well been in a relegation battle this season. And on, on the flip side of that, I'll also probably go as far as saying we were probably only a decent goalkeeper away from being in the playoffs. That's really? all we needed, I think, because our goalkeeper cost us a few, a few games last season. Um, and there was, well, there were two goalkeepers who were in and out of the team. There was no consistency. But um, we were still mathematically in the running for the playoffs with three games to go. And I, I think that tells you all you need to know about um, what a job he ends up doing. Oh, fun, fun. With the squad we had at the beginning of the season, we shouldn't have been anywhere near there. Thank, thanks very much, Elliot, for your time. And um, hopefully, yeah, no hopefully we can have you down one day to actually be live on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Cheers, Elliot. Yeah, Thank cheers, you very much. Cheers. So that that's fairly interesting. Like I said, I didn't realise that Swansea City fans thought so so highly of, of Graham Potter. Um, how do you think he's going to do at Brighton? Um, like, like Elliot said, he, he's he's such a talented young manager. Um, I, I think he'll fare quite quite brightly at Brighton. I think we were talking about maybe a German manager coming in that's got a little bit more experience. But Graham Potter, in my opinion, could probably do just as good as a job. Do, do, does Brighton need a manager with that much experience? Because I think we're looking at seven seasons at Ostrasund, um and that's taken them from tier four in Sweden right the way up to the top to a, d- a domestic um, campaign a uh, winning campaign is that enough experience do you think? It's hard to compare the experience because obviously it's, it's a different world isn't it when you're looking at going up through the Swedish leagues uh, the, the thing I say about it is it's a, a remarkably brave appointment from Brighton is that they've taken not only an expansive coach but an expansive coach that has now had one year in English football which isn't even the top flight of English football um, uh, he finished tenth with with Swansea, a team that's just been relegated. But I mean, like like Elliot said, if if you look beneath the surface of it, you'd, you'd see he's done quite a good job. But they, they have no guarantees from him. The only guarantee you really have is that he's going to play expansive football. He's going to try. Yeah, he's going to try and play expansive football. And, and I, they, they've got the team it. for that, though, haven't yeah. they? They, they? We talked about it last week when we talked about Chris Hutton playing defensive football with with a team that could probably play a bit more expansively, and that they're not. They're not like the Cardiffs of this world, are they? So they've got good enough players, and I think it's really going to suit Graham Potter moving in. Has he got the pool for players? Do you think? I don't think he's got the pool as an individual, but but football players want to play football. Do you know what I mean? Especially like, in the Premier League as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of players, and I think the type of players we'll be looking at, because he won't be looking at established players. He'll be looking at the the bargains. He'll be looking at um, players he can get for small prices from other leagues. I think. Um, uh, and I think that Brighton will be a an attractive prospect to them because when he talks to them, he'll say he, he'll, he'll talk about his vision. And I think when whenever someone like Graham Potter, like the way I've heard him speak, when he talks about his style of football, it you can't help but kind of be brought in a bit by it because it's just it's so um, the the brave of it because like I find really impressive. And I, I did I did look at um, a good few highlights um, before um, 
we start this podcast on Swansea this past season because being in championship, not going to get as much TV coverage. Obviously, as the season goes on, it goes to more of the Norwich and the Sheffields and the Leeds. Yeah. Um, but what they were doing, miles apart, I feel, from a lot of those championship clubs. And I feel Brighton are a team calling out for, like we said, that expansive play. Um, I knew he played three at the back at Ostrasen's. I don't know if he... Did he do that? Swansea? It's mostly 4-2-3-1. So he's he's adapted to the English game very quickly. Um, is he going to be able to adapt to a new level in the English game? I mean, what do you think the the board have said to him at Brighton? Well, if it, like, like we said before, like... It's easy to say avoid relegation. Yeah, but for, for sure, like, I think for the first season, that's what he's got to achieve, to, to avoid the relegation. And then the second season, you just build from there. Like... It's going to be difficult because I don't think they're going to hit the ground running when, when he comes in because they're, they're going to take some adjusting. Players like Duffy and Dunk, they're not used to playing necessarily expansive football, but the rest of that Brighton team are. You, the rest of the Brighton team, like players like um, Martin Montoya, Davy Proper, Pascal Gross, um, Is Criado, some of these guys are really good footballers and they come from really good uh, sort of footballing roots. So they can play the expansive game. They have done it before. But like I say, it's just the sort of the British players, the Dale Stevens, the the Dunk, the Duffy, that it might take a little bit longer to get used to. I think we should refer the listeners back to the podcast we done on Chris Hewton last week because it wasn't completely just about him. It was about the way Brighton played. And I don't really want to repeat all of that now, but definitely check that out because, again, you raised some good points about those type of Europa League-esque players now playing in the Premier League for Brighton, but not being able to express themselves. And maybe maybe Graham Potter is the man to allow those players to do that. Um, before we move on, do you want to mention or, or highlight anything to do with Graham Potter before we move on to the next bit of news? Um, I just want to turn back to, I think we mentioned it in the last podcast when, when you suggested that he could be a good manager at job, is, um, is the Swansea performance against Man City in the FA Cup where they went 2-0 up in the first oh, yeah. half. Yeah. And they effectively out-Man City to Man City. And how, how did they do that? Um, it was the fact that when they got the ball and Man City pressed them to try and win it back, they didn't hoof it up. You could see there was... there's Sometimes when you see a team, sometimes when they, they half try and play and sometimes they don't really know, Swansea have got it in their systems now that every time they get the ball down, they play. And I think it's the, the confidence to know that every time they get the ball from a centre-back, players are moving towards centre-back knowing he's going to pass it short, he's going to keep the ball on the floor, he's not going to hoof it up the pitch. That's like what Elliot said as well. Like they haven't had that since Laudrup. It's been a right, big yeah. gap. Didn't yeah. That's what he said on yeah. the phone. So. I, I think a lot of the time, uh, a lot of the reason that Swansea fans like Graham Potter will be that he reminds them of, of their best days. Is that um, uh, when you look at Roberto Martinez, like what he did at the club and the foundations he put of them playing these, uh, this passing football. And then the Bren Rogers kind of took that up and they got promoted. And then Michael Laljup took that on and they won the League Cup. Like these are the best days in Swansea history. Can so, it go up? Can only go up from there? Um, I mean, they'd have to find the right guy, but if, yeah. if Graham Potter Actually, stayed yeah, good there, point. I see, I, yeah. in my head, I'm still thinking of Graham, Graham Potter yeah. still being at Swansea. If, if Graham not Potter confirmed stayed it. There, yeah, yeah, then, yeah. then I'd have them nailed on for playoff places next year. Right, okay, yeah. Opinion. Yeah, it depends how they spent, because like, like, like Elliot said, they've lost, a, like, what did you say, 14 players out. And did um, some of those players were out of contract as well at the end of this season? Uh, do you think they'll be able to retain some of those senior players? Is um, Leon Britton still there? He retired last year. He retired last yeah. year. I think he's gone to. A, he's still there, but I think he's in a coaching role. Right. Okay. So, maybe, so maybe he, he could take the manager. 
romance with all these managers going back to their clubs. Ooh, possibly, possibly. We'll um, have to ask Elliot how he feels on that one. Definitely. One thing I didn't ask Elliot then, I'm glad I forgot to ask, was uh, does he miss Shelby? Oh, I really wish I asked <laughs> Every episode <laughs> we mention Yeah, that. I really wish I asked him that now. Um, okay, is there any other news we want to talk about? Um, I think it uh, might be worth bringing up um, Mick Katerian not travelling to Europe. Okay. Um, madness, in my opinion. I can't understand, and I know UEFA are all for expanding football and, and trying to get it played a- across as, as many European countries as possible, but not under the like p- these political circumstances. I don't know how they've got they've got away with that. I mean, I know they're they're the boss of it all, but how how they can think that is such a good idea? It's either incompetence or greed, isn't it? Because and I'll take this. I take this quote directly from UEFA. They have a thing they call it equal games, and they say, "What is equal game?" And it says, "Everyone should be able to enjoy football, no matter who you are, where you're from, or how you play. That's equal game." And now they've given a country a cup final, which is in a political position, which has made it. It's, it's questioned the safety of a player through another reason than where he's been born. And it's, uh, it's, it's disgraceful when you really think about it because it's, it's common sense. I can understand their point that all countries should, have to, should, should be able to enjoy football and enjoy these events, especially countries that don't have high-tier football teams should be able to enjoy these. I completely understand that. But at the same time, Azerbaijan is in a political situation where people from Armenia can't be guaranteed safety when they enter. And if that was Messi or Ronaldo... If it was England that had tension with Azerbaijan, could you imagine if it was Hazard? Could you imagine the the uproar? If if Real Madrid, if they if they had the Champions League final in Baku and it was Real Madrid versus Barcelona, and it was last year, say when Ronaldo still played for Real Madrid, and um, uh, and one of Barcelona or like one of Messi or Ronaldo couldn't travel to to Azerbaijan, do you think that UEFA would have let that happen? They wouldn't have let it happen. Is is the thing? Is they'd have found a way to, to sort it but seemingly because Mkhitaryan isn't a huge name and because he isn't necessarily a, a, a bona fide starter for Arsenal they've kind of overlooked it and it's just not fair well let's go for two directions off, off of that point so the first I want to take is is that going to have much of an impact on Arsenal realistically it, it could have not that it should play a part I'm just from the footballing perspective I don't think he's going to start is he I mean, it's it's hard to say because whether or not he'd start would depend on what formation Emery would pick. I'd say that it's likely that he wouldn't start, but most most games he comes off the bench. But yeah, it, that is the case, isn't it? He's, he's a huge player to bring off the bench. Mkhitaryan third, is our, our... He's a third top scorer yeah, Arsenal right he is now. our third top scorer of the season, which isn't saying much, I'll be honest. We, no. haven't, we haven't got like a lot of scorers. Um, but... It, it, matter, it doesn't matter if it affects one player, it doesn't matter if it affects 20 players. It's the fact that no player should feel that they have to miss a cup final. And we have to remember that players' careers are notoriously short. Probably the biggest game of the season for, for Arsenal. Potent- potentially his last cup final. Potentially. Potentially. 29 years old. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It, it could literally be. And, and he's, uh, he's played a big part in getting us there. And he should be able to be on that pitch, he should, or, or at least be have the option of being on that pitch. And he should, if we were to win, be able to lift the trophy of his teammates. But he, he's been had that opportunity taken away. I think the only the people that are to blame here for UEFA, like you, you look at it from a Azerbaijani point of view, and like they're, they're you can't blame them for having their rules in place. 
the, the only people you can blame is UEFA for for putting it in the country. They knew that Arsenal would get into the final two weeks ago. Yeah. Two weeks ago, they knew that this player couldn't travel to the final because of visa reasons. So they've not done anything to try and sort this out. They just see 60,000-seat stadium yeah. with X amount of... Well, I tell you what, the Azerbaijani fans better turn up to that because otherwise it's going to be a massive embarrassment well, it's, it's on both UEFA and and their part. 12,000 fan tickets. Yep. And what did we say? It was like 14,000 corporate seats, free giveaways. It's disgusting, really, isn't it? Well, one thing I'll say is when when UEFA are picking the venues for these finals, I, I can't say, look, they'd say, oh, Azerbaijan, you don't get many events. It'd be like it'd be amazing to give you a Europe final. Okay, let's let's just check a few things. Like, you know, what, what's your political situation? It's like, oh, you know, we've got a bit of a thing of Armenia. Okay, so you know, can we guarantee the safety for any Armenian players coming over? It's like, oh, I mean, we can't really. Okay, well then you can't really have it. And that, yeah. that should have been it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, that, yeah. that that literally should have been it. Um, I think the Armenian spokesperson said Mkhitaryan would be fine if he doesn't play on it. If he what? If he doesn't play on it. Do you know what I mean? Like, like if if he doesn't make a big deal of it, it'd be fine. But it's like that, that's no assurance. And I don't and I don't think he has either. He's, I don't he, think he said, he said any, nothing. Anything on it? The no. only thing that's been said is Arsenal have put out a um, a statement to say that they're looking for assurances of safety, which is absolutely fair enough, considering he missed the uh, our um, uh, our away tie in Azerbaijan in the Europa League earlier this season, and apparently he missed uh, an away tie in Azerbaijan. We played for Dortmund as well, so Arsenal have asked, "Look, we want you to give us enough assurances to know that he'll be safe entering your country." They haven't given that, so they've taken the decision that he can't go, and it's just not fair. No, it's not fair. And Chelsea have an unfair advantage. It's not Chelsea's fault, but I mean, any player missing the game through an unfair reason is an advantage. But I mean, I wouldn't want to play up on that before the game. Yeah, I think it's kind of in a way Chelsea have lost a player as well because Chelsea. I don't know if you're aware because the Ruben Loftus cheat thing. Like that's I quite funny. It's funny, but like you, you look at it, it's it's, it's it, the event was all done for like a, a really good cause. To start with, yeah, the event was for a really good cause. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but it was it was for a very good cause. But do it after the season's finished. Mm. Like we don't even need to touch on it because it's just absolutely ludicrous. It is, it's madness, isn't it? It is indeed. I think the fact that he played that long as well. Yeah, I mean, the, one of your one of your key probably coming towards the end of the season, he was a key figure in the Chelsea squad. He was a really important player. The problem is, like when I had this friendly, well, it had been about three days since the end of the season. I think they they played on the Sunday, they flew out on the Monday, and then they played on the Wednesday, and he got injured. Shock horror. Yeah, I mean, like I think Arsenal have played a game behind closed doors at in London. Okay, um, and we're going to play another one behind closed doors next week just to keep it sharp. Do you know who against or? Um, uh, I don't know. I can't remember the, the team. Wood, oh, I, I was told <laughs> that, um, that David Ornstein from BBC said that the first game we played, uh, Danny Welbeck scored hat trick in though. Hey, <laughs> give you that. Here he is. Time. He'll be in the English squad now. <laughs> yeah. He's returned. Um, but like, you can understand that in a way, like just a little behind the closed doors, friendly. There's no like, there's no like, like fans to to rise the game. Um, uh, you're not travelling anywhere, so there's no like, no problem with that. And it's just to keep sharp. You can kind of understand it. But for Chelsea to 
not only travel to America but play a game three days after playing like a 90 minute Premier League game at the end of the season it just is it, it's, it, it is it's, like it's they almost didn't expect to get to the Europa League final without planning that game there you know <laughs> it's a bit of an embarrassment yeah they reach the, the final and get third in the Premier League yeah, probably could... and that third place if you think about it those goals and that performance in the last few games from Loftus-Cheek you could I would go as far to say almost guaranteed him that that third place spot because he played so so well, probably guaranteed he, him a place in the final. He, he, he would have started hundred percent. He would have started. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, while we're talking about Chelsea, and we haven't got long, it's a couple of minutes. Um, we want to talk about the, the Lampard rumours um, potentially replacing Sari? Do we see anything in that, or is that just because he's had a good season? Okay. Sari's on his way out. It's, it's, it's been uh, it's been reported by the Italian journalist Damasio, and I, I mean. He's he's a, he's known as a big deal. He's not always right. I'd I'd say from my own personal experience, he's probably about fifty fifty. So I wouldn't say it's something that you should really read into, but probably something you should keep an eye on. Um, you can almost kind of see Chelsea could do this because I think that Sarri hasn't really identified with the fans. Um, I think that the idea that they want to sack a manager that's finished third and reached two cup finals, one of which he might actually win, is pretty ludicrous. It to depends, be honest. It doesn't it whether they sack him or he actually leaves mm. because. He's got. He can't sign any players, so he he's got that. He's probably going to lose Eden Hazard. Can't smoke on the touchline. Can't smoke on the touchline. He hates that. But I mean, like they've got a transfer embargo, and they're not going to. Be, they're not allowed to sign players, and they're, they're more than likely going to lose their best player. And they, to be honest, I don't think they've really got a, a massive replacement to come in. They've got lots of really good young, talented players. Yeah. So I mean, Giroud just signed an extension as well. Yeah, one, a one-year deal. I believe. It's probably a, that's a massive boost for them to yeah, keep, to keep I mean, a striker for Sarri. For but his caliber. There's links of him going to Juventus. Really? Juventus, yeah. I mean, Juventus sacked there. I'm not sure if Allegri left or got sacked. Apparently, it was sacked. Apparently, it was sacked. But I don't see Chelsea sacking Sarri. That's my opinion. I see them parting ways. Yeah, Sarri going. Oh, Juventus want me. Right, I can't okay, really yeah. turn this down, can I? And then, uh, to be honest, I don't know how he's got linked with Juventus after this season. Maybe he's done all right. I don't know. Looking, it's a, it's a mixed it's pack, hard, wasn't it? Yeah, it's hard to read into. And I think the Lampard rumours are only coming about because he's in the playoff finals. Now, whether he reached the playoffs and, and, and that that rumour still be there, I don't know. Um, let's say Sarri left and Lampard uh, does get the job very briefly. Could he do wonders at Chelsea or is it a very risky move for them? I mean, he could do well short term. It's, it's mm. hard to say because we've only seen one year of Lampard. So, um, it's very similar to the Oli Gunnar Solskjaer at Man United. Yeah, so, I mean, it? It, it feels sentimental. Like, if he wasn't a Chelsea legend, would he get looking? Like, when, when Wenger left, a lot of people spoke about Henri and a lot of people spoke about Vieira. It's like these, like, these guys, they wouldn't have a looking if they weren't ex-Arsenal. And... I mean, I can't. You can't write him off because I say we've only seen one year of Lampard. We've only seen him with one group of players. So he could go to Chelsea, and the dynamics change. Maybe he's a great manager under the surface. They're all going to respect him as well, aren't yeah. they? The Chelsea players. From what I've seen from Lampard, he looks like a very good man manager. He looks like he's good at getting him up for for the big game. But in terms of actual tactical like uh, insight, I, I don't really see much stuff from from Derby this season. Like in my opinion, I've only, I've only watched maybe six or seven games. Very mixed bag, wasn't it? Yeah. Especially with the squad, they've got they've got some really good young attacking players. One of the things where I think it started off well, kind of plateaued a bit, dipped in form, and then all of a sudden found found this new new second wind, and then now they're in the playoff finals. I, mean, I think they were assert to be in the playoffs, not not the just the playoffs yeah, in general. I think they were assert to be. Point, we we yeah. should really consider that. That um, uh, they've been in the playoffs a lot, a lot over the last like five, six years, and they wanted someone that would take them that step further. Um, uh, 
and then we get the more automatic promotion or win the playoffs. And Napoli might do that, but it should, you also look at he finished sixth, so that's what the last playoff spot, and he finished about two points of Middlesbrough, one or two points of Middlesbrough, yeah. so we only just about squeaked it. Yeah. Mm. What about um, Lampard to Chelsea, then Hewton to Brighton? Uh, Hewton to Derby? Oh, the, the, the romance. Yeah. Potentially. Like the listening... We, we, we should keep doing it. Yeah, we've, we've got this like, little like, sprinkle, haven't we? Yeah. We just put, put on people. Yeah, we need uh, more followers. <laughs> Listen to the sprinkle. Uh, I'm going to finish up now and then I am going to let you sign off, Beef. Don't worry. Uh, I just want to apologise for all the banging and crashing around people might hear, particularly at one point, the soaring, the, the constant soaring of the builders doing building work in my house. So if you do hear that and it is disrupting you for whatever reason, I apologise. But Beef, you can sign off. What do you want to say? Um... Anything at all? I'm, I thought you like pre pre work these no, out. I haven't, I haven't done this one this week. Like, do your best Welsh accent. All right, guys, it's me, calling from Swansea. Just wanted to let you know. Thanks for listening to listening, and uh, hope you have a great day. <laughs> <laughs>